Welcome to Collisions YYC, Beyond the Echo. I'm your host, Tyler Chisholm. In this special series of episodes, I tackle the question of how does the world see Calgary and what can we learn from it? This is a journey of curiosity, of taking the time to gain the insights from the people that are outside of our day-to-day conversations. I'm seeking to learn where there are gaps, misunderstandings, and most importantly, opportunities for us to grow. During this intense period of economic transformation, I'm not willing to leave any stone unturned that may give us an advantage for the road ahead. Join me as I chat with thought leaders, innovators, and the movers and shakers of the world to learn their perceptions of our amazing city from beyond the echo. Well, I got Dan Ellis on. How are you doing, Dan? Hey, doing good, Tyler. Thanks for having um, me. We've been just shooting, uh, having, having a good old-fashioned chat. We thought, as what well, usually happens, I forget to push record, so we thought we better get it going. <laughs> so Dan's calling in from San Mateo. We're talking a little bit about just life and the reality of COVID in the startup world. So maybe, Dan, like for anyone who doesn't hasn't had the privilege of meeting you or doesn't know you, maybe give us a little bit of background, kind of who you are and what keeps you busy day to day. Yeah, yeah. So Calgary guy, uh, raised and schooled up there, uh, spent most of my life in Calgary. Um, you know, I got my entrepreneurial start uh, actually creating websites back in university. Uh, so in the late 90s. And uh, yeah, I remember really like, being over the moon about winning the contract for the Olympic Oval at UFC. Uh, oh, so, okay. You got real, you got like, solid <laughs> Calgary roots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I um, yeah, kind of segued that into some technology consulting in the 2000s. Uh, so I took uh, management information systems at University of Calgary. Uh, and, and the 2000s were really kind of a golden age of tech consulting in Calgary, I feel like. Like oil and gas, everything was just humming along. Um, you know, you were treated with a lot of respect as a tech consultant. Uh, there was jobs aplenty. They paid well. And yeah, so I ended up uh, growing a practice and having a team of about six under management. And we were you know, very much a boutique shop. We did software development and uh, what people are calling uh, big data now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of data warehousing and uh, business intelligence analytics. And then uh, I ended up starting to create some products as well. And so I, I ran the consultancy right up until 2013. I actually expanded it down to Houston, Texas in 2008. And uh, yeah, so I was about 12 years of tech consulting. And kind of at that point in time, I, I decided uh, I wanted to do something else. I wanted to get into product development. And so I ended up meeting a like-minded co-founder and we uh, kind of packed up our cars and <laughs> went out to San Francisco with our laptops and just started uh, hacking away at a solution that we were interested in building. And uh, that became a company called Rally Team. And we ended up taking that company and actually bootstrapped it all the way to a Series A in uh, 2015. So we we launched it at TechCrunch Disrupt. Uh, It was a a human resources technology play. Um, And we ended up raising uh, over $8 million in venture capital. And long story short, after going through some accelerators and incubators and getting some customers, that company was acquired in 2018 by a company called Workday. And since that time, um, I've been kind of taking it a little bit easier um, with mm. the birth of my daughter and been doing some consulting, primarily around advising startups on matter of product and strategy. And I, and I also got involved in uh, 2014 in angel investing. And that kind of started off a uh, interesting trajectory in terms of how I dealt with startups as well. And, and that came out of seeing uh, a lot of interesting companies here in the Valley and meeting a lot of incredible entrepreneurs and just wondering, you know, how can I participate in this uh, in a you know, larger degree? Uh, so I really started writing some small checks there, um, have up to about 25 companies now that I've invested in and 
uh, yeah, just uh, love startups, love innovation, and just uh, love being part of these uh, tech scenes. Well, that's so you've you've lived it. You've you know you've kind of got to, you got to, lived it. Got the T-shirt, whatever that joke is. Um, but curious in Calgary. So even the going down to Texas, uh, going down to Houston, was that you know obviously the whole goal here is beyond the echo. Let's go out and look back on kind of what Calgary's doing well, what it's what it's not doing well, what we can more importantly what where, where we can do better. Did you leave Calgary for Houston specifically because? Either that was the that was where your customers were, and that was a better, more relevant market, or was it because Calgary wasn't giving you guys what you needed to scale to move things forward? I don't think it was any particular fault of Calgary uh, for for me moving. It was more just opportunistically to uh, see some opportunities that I saw in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Houston was a bigger market. Um, they were at times, I think, more open to some particular solutions to trying out newer things. Uh, but Calgary and Houston very similar in many respects, actually. So I, I can't really look at one market and say they're markedly different. Uh, they have a lot of similarities. And I think probably that the thing about Houston is the diversification in the economy was more substantial. You tend to think of it as an oil and gas city, but you know there's actually a lot more going on there. There's um, a huge medical center, probably the biggest in the world, I believe. Uh, and a ton of diversity around uh, petrochemical and more downstream energy things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so manufacturing is huge there. And it's kind of one of those like markets that's big enough to support a lot of things. And that included tech as well. Interesting. And I think it's, it's easy to know an area for something, but just by simple size alone, it leaves a lot more space for, you know, Calgary's a relatively small, you know, it's, it's what gives it a lot of its charm. You know, 1 million mm-hmm. people versus 4 million. You can have, you know, go to Toronto, it's the strong financial sector in Canada, but yet it's so many other things just by the sheer volume of what goes on there and the amount of, amount of opportunities that exist because of just sheer size. That's right. Absolutely. There's just kind of this critical mass that you hit that just opens a lot of doors. And, you know, you know, that said, like, I, I really enjoyed working and being in Calgary. It, you know, has this ecosystem that is big enough to be interesting, but small enough at the same time to get your head around it. And so it was, <laughs> you know, got cool to, you know, to, yeah. to know people from just like two degrees of separation. And uh, in many respects, I miss that. And it, being in San Francisco is just so massive. It, it feels like a hairball at times. It's, uh, you know, very decentralized and, you know, it's kind of chaotic by nature, which is part of what makes it interesting. But uh, sometimes you really feel like a small fish here. Uh, I can, I can, I, yeah. Which is the, which is the opportunity, but also the the, the stretch, right? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So from from you know what you do now and working with multiple companies, how would you describe? Would you describe yourself more as a venture capitalist? Now you use the word consultant again. Kind of almost sound like life went full circle a little bit. Is it like kind of like what if, if we were going to put you in a category, which is maybe yeah. uh, limiting in itself? I looked at your your LinkedIn profile and it's like, okay, where where <laughs> what does this all sum up to after this many years and all the experiences you've had? Right. Yeah. Um, well, I don't consider myself to be a venture capitalist. Uh, I really consider myself to be a angel investor. And, and I do think there is a difference. Uh, you know, venture capitalists is very much they work on economics. You know, they have uh, limited partners that they're beholden to that are giving them money. And in return, they need to generate uh, success and returns for those LPs uh, under a structured framework. Uh, For me, for angel investing, it's more of a passion play. So I get to pick and choose companies that are interesting to me, Um, you know, maybe where directions that I would like to see innovation go. and, And I'm only really beholden to myself. And I, part of that, I, I really started to do uh, consulting in parallel to that. 
uh, often not with the actual companies that I've invested in, but really uh, sort of lending my experience in terms of helping get products off the ground. Uh, you know, obviously, there's a ton of companies here uh, making you know new businesses and new products all the time, but getting it out of that stage gate, you know, off to the races kind of level is where a lot of these companies trip up. And I love to help, you know, basically guide the direction of the product and find product market fit for them to get them over the first hurdles. And that usually that's an eye to get them to their first funding round. Okay. So that gap between we've got an idea and we're actually going to do a series A essentially. Yeah. It's kind of a zero to one kind of thing for sure. Yeah. Okay. So I'm curious, out of the 25 companies you're involved, how many of those are Canadian based companies or, you know, maybe stretching to say Calgary or Western Canadian based companies? Well, it feels terrible saying this, but zero. (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't sure what the answer was going to be. So I guess back to the kind of the, the, the crux of this conversation. So I don't want to ask the, the lazy question of why not, but I guess when you're looking up north of the border and you're looking to Canada or even more specifically Western Canada, again, the whole point of this podcast is I'm listening to learn and hopefully mm-hmm. my audience is doing the same. What are you seeing the gaps? Or is there just because your ecosystem has now become where, you, where you're situated? Or is there a different level? Is there something missing up here or things that companies north of the border can do better to attract people like yourself in those early stages? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's, there's many things to discuss around that. I mean, I, I think being in Silicon Valley, it, it really feels like an ideal place to be for an angel investor. There's just such a quantity of things happening. You know, going out and uh, networking here, and I'm, I was actually uh, co-running a pitch practice event here with uh, with another person uh, prior to COVID. Of course, it's kind of shut that down. But uh, we would have, you know, at any given time, 20 to 30 entrepreneurs come out and do a pitch practice um, in, you know, just in terms of accelerators that are operating here, um, doing some mentorship for, uh, the alchemist and, uh, several other accelerator programs. Mm-hmm. And there's just the quantity and mass of companies is, is so substantial that if you just kind of put yourself in the center of that, mm-hmm. uh, it's probably the easiest way. And it's it's probably no other reason than me sort of being lazy (laughs) and passive (laughs) It just being opportunistic uh, with the deal flow that is so plentiful. So it's it's not really anything um, per se about Calgary or Vancouver or any of the the Western places in in Canada. Uh, It's probably just a matter of access for me um, and not, you know, spending a substantial amount of time up there. You know, that said, um, yeah, I think uh, one trait of, companies that are here in the valley is just this idea of going for broke uh trying to create unicorn billion dollar companies and i think it's worth like kind of talking about how angels have to invest and that sort of paints a picture and and also venture capitalists for that matter they're really out to get you know these companies that outperform in in crazy ways so that they have the potential to be billion dollar companies so an venture capitalist might you know, if I wanted to invest in a single technology startup, my net expected result from that startup would be zero return. It's probably going to go bankrupt. It's probably going to go out of business because like overall, most startups do. But when you start to build a portfolio of 10, 20 companies, you have this power law of returns that starts to emerge. So yeah, maybe eight out of 10 companies are just going to tread water or go under, but you might have one that's going to return three, four extra capital. And ideally, you're going to have one in that cohort that is going to return a hundred X and has that potential. And I think uh, both from an angel perspective and a venture capitalist perspective, they need to see that that is how the 
economics of that venture game is played. And so it's critical for any company that is approaching the fundraising process to be able to paint that picture and paint that scenario for investors in the venture community. Does that require, I'm, I'm kind of now just holding up the, our, 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 our tendency to be Canadian sometimes and downplay and not self-promote and not have that level of like, yeah, we're going to knock this out of the park. Is that something that, that you know, and again, not saying maybe you've seen it not be that way, but I've heard that comment from other other guests talking about like, sometimes we just don't, even when there is opportunity, we don't tote our own, our, tote our own horns enough or aren't, mm-hmm. there isn't that just blatant mm-hmm. pride and like that big aspirational thinking that go for broke. Cause that feels like that could hold back your opportunity with fun partners. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's this uh, sort of irrational exuberance that happens here <laughs> in Silicon Valley. The old reality distortion field concept. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and companies that, you know, kind of succeed in, in spite of their, um, you know, uh, you know, lack of ability to do so. It's uh, the bravado is incredible at times. And I, but I think there's something to be said for that. It's a experiment and self-talk and it's sort of this self-fulfilling um, idea of manifest destiny for these companies that, you know, if they're going to come in and shoot for the moon, yeah, like maybe 10 of those fall flat on their face. But, you know, for every nine, there's a crazy dreamer who does it and pulls it off. And, and that's where the reputation of this place was born from. So, you know, those edge cases. Well, we all love the origin story of like, you know, I heard no 80 times and on the 81st time, but every time I heard no, I learned and I kept pushing because I believed in my idea. You know, like that origin story, I think is almost everywhere at, at a certain point. And I think we all, we all love the rags to riches, the guy who made it, made it over the wall kind of thing. I think it's a fantasy because, because then somehow you're like, oh, maybe that could be me. It's, it sells you a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that is definitely a trait of a lot of entrepreneurs here is they just don't know when to quit. <laughs> and, um, you know, they, they will just keep going. Keep, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, it can almost be awkward, you know, you're driving this thing to the ground, like maybe you should just move on. <laughs> but I, I think it's a, uh, it's a really interesting trait of uh, Silicon Valley. And I, I do kind of concur with the assessment that uh, Canada does need to be a little bit more shouted from the bleachers and, and be cheerleaders for, for what they're doing uh, and, and think bigger, um, especially if they want to create venture companies and, and that's the key thing here is uh, venture backed. Like the, the expectation is that, you know, you're trying to get to a hundred million in revenue. That's the only time the economics and venture will work out. And so it's, it, you know, incumbent on the startups to understand that when they approach uh, these companies. It's, that's interesting. It's good to just like, that's what it is. And understanding that criteria, you mentioned when we were chatting offline before, offline, before, before we pushed the record button, the big red button about, like there's a lot of room for startups. There's a lot of room for impact on an economy with companies that maybe aren't going to be hundred million dollars. Maybe they're going to be 30 million or 40 million or 20 million. Just thinking about that. Cause I think the ones, certainly the media or, you know, the articles you read are always typically about the venture backed hundred million dollar mm-hmm. big stories, you know, thoughts on even, I guess in the value, you probably run into a lot of good companies that might not ever be venture backed. Oh, absolutely. A hundred percent. It happens all the time. Quite honestly, I end up talking founders out of taking venture capital uh, a lot of times because, you know, there's this uh, perception that that is the end game and and that's just totally not true. There's many ways to achieve success. And, you know, as you alluded to, I mean, you can have a company making $10 million revenue. That sounds like a pretty successful company to me. And there's like no shame in that, Uh, but it might not fit the criteria of a venture backed company at the same time. And then venture back is really, you know, it's really about hyper growth, 
uh, about accelerating into capturing markets entirely. And uh, I think one of the things that companies have to realize is you don't have to go that venture route. And one of the downsides of that is you can get on this treadmill with venture and it's impossible to get off. You know, once you take somebody else's money, there's an expectation of growth all the time. We've got to get you to the next stage gate. We've got to get you to the next round. And it's a stressful and hard experience. So I don't think it's for everybody. Uh, and there's more, you know, I think I kind of broadly lump things into this lifestyle <laughs> business concept. Um, right. And, you know, the idea there is like, I'm not going to get on the venture treadmill where I'm constantly having to raise money. I'm going to have to constantly burn cash at a frightening rates in order to grow. And those companies are great. And I think, honestly, most people should probably pursue that route. And I, I mean, one of the, you know, I just saw the stat the other day and it, and I believe it's that less than half a percent of companies ever end up taking any form of venture capital of all, at all. So wow, that's, half that's, a percent, we're a tiny amount of companies. That but yeah, those are all the stories you hear about. <laughs> it it is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, because I mean, at the end of the day, it's led to all the products that we know and love. Yes. Uh, awesome. And, and yeah. these massive aspirational companies. And, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, don't pursue that, but I'm just mm-hmm. saying, you know, there are, there are many ways. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, if you just look up at uh, Shopify in Canada, it's in a, in a massive success. Yes. And I think it's a, a great feather in, in Canada's cap, so to speak, to show, yeah, we can build massive scale venture backed companies. Um, but underneath all that in, you know, the Toronto ecosystem is a whole host of other companies and some quite honestly, just attaching themselves to the Shopify ecosystem, uh, yes. which is, mm-hmm. you know, is creating uh, tons and, you know, thousands of companies probably that are also successful. Well, and we, so, you know, we, Waterloo certainly is, you know, something that's on the map from a technology perspective and RIM and the role they like the, eco, the, the education system, then RIM, and then all the spinoffs that come out of that. Like that one big shiny story creates a lot of, secondary success that you don't always hear about it doesn't always make it into the media but it builds a it builds an it builds a whole community around it often mm-hmm. absolutely and i mean that's uh happened countless times here i mean if you look at uh, salesforce and facebook um they're kind of economies onto themselves uh so it's, it's pretty remarkable and you know a lot of people will just build companies based on those uh internal ecosystems um, and yeah, so when you get those companies operating at that scale, it has profound effects in a startup ecosystem. Well, and certainly we, we don't have to look far. Like, as you know, Western Canada is a resource, like we've built our wealth and our success. And you look at, if you just put oil and gas in the center and all of the subsidiary industries that have come off of that, it's a significant, but now all of a sudden that world is changing. And mm-hmm. now we're trying to find, we're find our, you know, we're on a 20 year path that everyone wants to happen in 12 months, but that's, a, that's another, <laughs> right. I think that's just human. Right. So how can I get that by next week? Kind of. <laughs> so, so curious in your view, in your world, and maybe you don't even come across it, I guess, um, like when Calgary comes up around the dinner table in San Mateo or at an investor conference, or you guys run into a startup that happens to be kind of quote unquote on a mission down to the Valley, kind of what's the perception is, is like, and it's okay if there isn't one, if it's like, what's a Calgary kind of mindset, but I'm just curious, like, what is the view from outside and in, in your world, in your circles, being a, being a Calgary boy, born and bred? Yeah, I mean, I think it uh, kind of depends on who I talk to. So I think like people that don't know Calgary or Canada that well, I, I want to say there's there's not really any kind of preconception of what Calgary is. It, it's kind of a blank slate. 
which is actually good in a way because yeah, there like is that. Like, I, 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 yeah, that feels more positive <laughs> to me than, than, oh, it's not good at all. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't, and I don't think like, uh, you know, I, I don't know, it's funny. I often get the two comments and I'm like, oh, that's like Calgary Flames and Stampede. Like those are the two things that pop up. They're these cultural things. Um, but not necessarily any perception of it being an oil and gas town or anything like that. It's just uh, a city in Canada. Uh, and beyond that, there's not a lot of data points that they have to, to work on. And so I think the perception is probably, you know, it'd be the, kind of the same if I like turned to you and said, you know, hey, Tyler, what do you think of Boise, Idaho? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, don't really know much about it, but, you know, you can conjure a few images in your mind. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you've been to Boise. <laughs> I, you know, I, more about you know, the hilarious is I motor I motorcycled through there a couple of years ago, probably okay. on my way down to California, <laughs> okay. and I stayed there one random night, and it was the forest fire season, so it was all orange. And because like I have this weird memory of these big brick buildings, this orange overlay. So it's funny that you picked. But anyway, that's hilarious that you picked. That. <laughs> yeah. No, so bad example, but yeah, no, or good example because I have one random experience <laughs> yeah. that is my whole like that is my world when I when you say that I have one clear memory. <laughs> Main yeah, street so, in this glow of orange and nobody around. I'm like, what is going on? Am I in a sci-fi movie or what's happening? Oh man. Yeah. And sounds like what we're dealing with down here in California right now. Totally. Yeah. Um, well, I guess my point being uh, that you know, <laughs> to people that are otherwise naive about the city, there's yes. no really formed uh, opinion about it. Um, I think uh, Canada as a whole, and it is kind of treated more homogeneously. I'd say out of everything, perhaps here in the Valley that Toronto and Vancouver Okay. And maybe uh, Montreal, I would conclude in there as well, have a reputation. Um, you know, in, in particular, uh, Waterloo is known for its engineering talent. It's been that way for mm-hmm. quite a while, ever since I got here. has an excellent reputation. Uh, I think like Toronto and the Waterloo area have been really ga- great at recapturing those people and, and not letting this massive brain drain happen. And yes. with some of those like anchor companies now in the area, I think that's going to be really good for those ecosystems. Um, but, you know, as a whole, I, I think that Canada is thought of as uh, like a great country to, to be in and to work in. Uh, but there's not a lot of understanding of the technology ecosystem up there. Right. I think that's fundamentally it's, it's small and you know, there are some big success stories, but also we are notoriously bad at telling our own story. And that's even part of why this, co- this podcast got going. Cause I'd be talking yeah. to people in town and I talked to one person over here that's got a problem. And I talked to another person who solved the problem, but yet they never talked to each other and too much head down, ass up kind of mindset maybe. And not enough of that, like, you know, celebrating our wins and telling those stories. But I think you can, as a marketer, you can always do more of that in my opinion. Yeah. 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 Well, well, one thing I will say is like, I, um, um, like I, I think like Calgary should appreciate it's like neutral. It's not necessarily that they're forgotten, and it's kind mm-hmm. of bad to put it in the context of the Bay Area because just like everything that happens here just sort of yeah. eats all the attention <laughs> and uh, doesn't necessarily leave room for a lot of other things. So when you're here, you just feel like you're in the swirling vortex and not a lot of time for things outside of it because this is enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but that certainly doesn't uh, preclude that uh, Calgary could be, you know, thought of as a good place to operate. And, you know, I think in Alberta, I definitely have heard some recognition, uh, perhaps more on the Edmonton side around the competencies of uh, machine learning and AI that I think yeah. is getting some attention. And I believe, um, if I'm not mistaken, like Google has an outpost up there. Yes, uh, we do. So, yeah. You know, do. So that's significant. And, and I think it would be great for Alberta to, uh, start to create a story around that um, particular set of competencies as well. 
Yeah. And I think it's, you know, it's always easy to look at you know, just the Valley. Cause we're talking about it. Like there, the, the Valley is already the Valley. We don't need to be that. Like what's our version of that. And obviously technology is an underpinning of so much of where's the future. Like we've got to be something to do with tech. What our version of it is, I still think is definitely yet to be defined. There's lots of little pockets, but there's, there's, there's always seems to be something like, like you said, Oh, Edmonton and machine learning and 20 year history there that's starting to get out and Montreal, what they've done with AI. And there always seems to be one lightning rod that kind of brings things together. And in Alberta, I still think we're floating around. That's I, nobody's really locked on to like, that's the, whether it's through the education system or there's, you know, a unicorn that really starts to do that spill off effect. And, and I don't, I just, I don't think we're quite, we're not, we're not there yet. We're still finding our path. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I think that's a fair statement. And, you know, that's, that's totally fine that it's, it's undefined and, a little bit informal. I, I don't think at this point you need to kind of put yourself into any one bucket. Uh, experimentation is totally fine. And I think like, I would encourage that approach. It's like, try things out. What works and what doesn't work in the ecosystem? And I, mean, I think I saw something get surfaced on my newsfeed uh, with respect to um, kind of an investigation of sort of starting up a gaming cluster in Calgary. Yep. And um, and I think maybe an initiative led by uh, Calgary Economic Development. And, and sorry, I'm paraphrasing. I don't know the exact details, but I thought that was like very interesting. It's like it wasn't intuitive to me to say, oh, well, Calgary be a great place to do game development. But maybe it is. And uh, I think in the, the we're, we're almost of, at that stage of why not? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And, and I, it do, I do think it takes some courage to to reach out, to take risks, to do experimentation. Like I know that's the, it's part of the venture model, uh, you, you know, kind of bringing it back to that. And I see things through that lens is, you know, I'm taking a lot of shots and I know a lot of those things are not going to work out, but it just takes being right once or twice to make it all worthwhile. And I, I think it uh, would be smart for Calgary to think in those terms as well. I appreciate that. And be, be, being wrong doesn't doesn't mean you didn't learn. It usually means you learned more. <laughs> yeah, that, that's right. That's right. It's like you, you either you either get it right or you learn, right? And- <laughs> <laughs> yes, the word, word fail is just another way yeah. to interpret. Yeah, I learned a lot off that one. Cost me a few, which also makes me pay attention. Yeah, that, so, that's right. So curious, you know, you and I are going to go on a shopping trip. You know, we've got, I don't know, pick a number. We've got 150 million and we're going to come to Calgary and we're going to look at this, the technology startup scene from a venture or angel perspective. Obviously, angel's a little bit more your, your background or your, your sounds like your passion. Let's call it that. Um, what would be some of the things you would look for? And, you know, in turn through that, like letting some of our audience go, okay, yeah, if I want to attract that kind of individual or that mentorship and money and that guidance and that help that I need, what are some of the criteria would be on your shopping list? Yeah, I I think uh, when it comes to investing, it's you know it's really like team, team, team as number one, two, and three. Um, you know, it really and and then maybe kind of following that uh, market and product. Uh, so okay. I don't really approach things through uh, that kind of lens. And so I, I think probably one of the critical things that that Calgary can do is bring together people with operational experience in running startups and and put them together into ready-made teams uh, so that they can accelerate their progress a lot faster. And I think like, um, you know, in, in terms of attracting investment dollars, that's really one of the big qualifiers is the team, but then also the velocity of the startup. And again, this is just from a venture startup standpoint, mm-hmm. this is not applicable to every company, but if you want to be a venture company, um, venture backed, it really necessitates you having this hyper growth trajectory. 
And I feel like often that is really facilitated by people with experience, uh, you know, experienced product people, experienced operational people, uh, CEOs that can bring teams together, um, you know, people that can work with tech teams that can scale that. Uh, so I think that that would be a key feature to look at. And I think there's uh, there are a lot of interesting things happening in Calgary. And I'm, I'm by no means an expert on the ecosystem up there. But uh, just from what I've heard, read and gleaned from the news, um, you know, I think there's some excellent progress. Uh, I really like what the guys are doing at uh, Harvest Builders. Uh, I, I think their model is is great for Calgary, where you're just kind of giving it a shot in the arm and, you know, getting these teams ready uh, out of the gate and operationalizing the startup and capitalizing it right out of the gate. So all at once rather than kind of doing it piecemeal over years. And I think that kind of acceleration is great for Calgary. Yeah. I had and, a conversation with uh, Jeff Adamson over Adamson over there yesterday, and we're going to have him on and just chatting about why they chose the, the prairies and why they believe it's the right place. And he had some interesting perspectives because their names, I've been stumbling over them everywhere I go. So finally going to had a good chat with one of their guys yesterday. It is uh, the kind of specifically kind of the why almost they said they've almost had to like push back in a very aggressive way of like, no, we're staying in Western Canada, but here's why I thought mm-hmm. that was interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It will be definitely an interesting cast to hear. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think like um, uh, that's a great example. Um, and I, I, I believe uh, a lot of those guys are successful entrepreneurs. Uh, Skip the dishes, I believe is all where a lot of those people were from. And yeah, yeah and this that, is a, that, that, that was, the, that was definitely the big, the, the big win. <laughs> yeah. And, and this is a great example of a, I think a key thing that has to happen in startup ecosystems is this recycling effect. And you see that all the time here in Silicon Valley. Um, you know, you got, you know, I'll pick on Elon Musk because everyone knows who he is. And, you know, I mean, this guy made, you know, more money than you would ever need in your entire life by the time, you know, 2001 came around. Uh, part of that PayPal mafia, he could have just quit and gone away. But, you know, these guys, like I said, they just don't know when to quit. <laughs> they want to come yeah. back at it. They're addicted to innovation. And, you know, so he comes back and uses that experience and, and cachet and his capital uh, to reinvest in the ecosystem. And that is uh, profoundly important. I feel like that was the trigger for, um, you know, what you see happening in Vancouver, uh, like even Kelowna, I think there was a company there called Penguin that was acquired for, I think it was, it was a pretty tidy sum. I don't want to say it was like three or 400 million by Disney. And, um, you know, the same kind of people that worked at that company just ended up going out and making new companies. And of course they stayed in Kelowna, yeah. they families and friends there. And, you know, this is really how uh, the ball gets rolling in ecosystems. And so it's, uh, great that they've chosen to set up in Western Canada and stay. I, I think that's going to be uh, massively beneficial to the community. No, I've heard that there's so many, even in, in the startup community, talking to some early stage startups saying like, hey, you know what? We can find money, but we need more than that. We need the relationships. We need the databases. We need the advice. Like, And that look, we're still in very early stages with that. There hasn't been enough of that trickle down effect. And certainly I'm hearing that come up time and time again. And again, if you look at the oil and gas sector, that's exactly how it was built over time. Like they learned how it right. worked. They all knew each other, super tight community. And you know, this group of leadership team would get in, raise a bunch of money, go and boom, sell it three or four years later for a couple hundred million. Like that was yeah. a formula that unfortunately that that's been changed, but it's the same, it's the, the same, same thing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it, it kind of, it shows, I mean, it, the skill sets are obviously different because one's uh, oil and gas and the other is technology, but it, I mean, it's a, a perfect, you know, analogy, a metaphor for what needs to happen in the tech scene. 
And then, so I think it's really important to keep people in Calgary is all these companies at the end of the day, they need people and ecosystem is people and, um, startup communities it's, and I'm paraphrasing a lot from a book that uh, Brad Feld put out actually called startup communities, which I think anyone that's you know, interested in building, okay, I love, I love a good, I love a good book recommend. <laughs> yeah. This, this is just a central reading. And, you know, so I drawn a lot of the, the tenants that he outlines in there. And, and one is the importance that he talks of that, you know, startup communities have to be led by entrepreneurs. There's leaders and there's feeders in those communities. And, mm-hmm. and the leaders are the ones that, you know, have the experience, have done it before and are actively building companies and doing stuff. And then there's everything else, <laughs> which is important, but, you know, a distant second. Um, and that's like the universities, the the economic development boards, the um, institutions and constructs that are being put in place to support them. Uh, also very important, but at the end of the day, the system only works if there's entrepreneurs and they're the ones that are taking the reins and moving forward and uh, everyone else really needs to be in a support function for these companies. That's interesting. That's one of the questions that I ask and it, just the role that business or private sector plays versus government and where, you know, sometimes you hear, oh, the government needs to be more involved and, but more supportive versus more leading. And I hear you loud and clear, like who, who has to, it's got to be the people with the right mindsets and everything we can do to kind of keep them fed and watered and moving down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I do hear like a lot about government comes up a lot in discussions uh, in Canada. Uh, and I think that's like quite, contrasted with what I see here where it literally never comes up. And probably the the hope and aspirations of startups here is that government stays as far away as possible. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it just kind of lets them operate to their own accord, keeps a low tax environment, you know, keeps regulations in check. Um, whereas in Canada, I feel that um, there is a desire to have government more involved in I think it's okay. Like government can definitely serve a role through policy and incentives, but it can also be a bit of a a double edged sword in that, you know, governments work on a different cadence than the startup community. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, governments are by design, they're a control structure or hierarchical, a top down management structure, and they work on generating policy. Whereas startups are very much a bottom up type construct. You've got people, they're building stuff, they're doing everything. And, you know, that truck trickles up into the, the formation of a company. And as a result of that, and kind of the cycles that government work on, you know, you know, if you want to take the Alberta government and say, for argument's sake, it works on a four year cycle mm-hmm. where, you know, they'll assume power and they'll put some policies in, but it might take them a full year of their four year term to get those policies in place. And then, you know, two and a half years go by and then six months leading up to the next election, the, the important thing that's going on is the, the process to get reelected. And then maybe a government changes and, and policy can change again. So it's really hard to hang your hat um, long term on government and their involvement just because of uh, really the, the operating uh, modalities that they uh, kind of ascribe to, you know, startups, they, they kind of follow this more networked approach. Uh, and I think that that's kind of how you have to look at it. Like I can connect to any person relevant to getting that work done. Whereas, mm. uh, you know, dealing with government can frustrate a startup in effect because you kind of get in and you sort of hit these ceilings, um, which don't necessarily make sense in, in the construct of, Hey, I just try to get stuff done. 
but you know you're you're banging up against these sort of invisible walls that have to do with politics or policy uh, or other uh, kind of immaterial things. Well, you look at their fundamental mandates are different, and I haven't run into a lot of like true entrepreneurs in government settings. It's just not typically what I. Right. I had someone recently on Greg Clark who was a was a MLA here, and he talked about just being in private practice, going to government, what that was like, and then going back to private afterwards. It's just how he had to completely kind of relearn how he engaged with how to get things done. <laughs> it's just yeah. a complete yeah. He did a stint and went back to back to being an entrepreneur. Funny enough, but yeah, absolutely. And and it's not it's not an indictment of government in, in that you know there can be a lot of good that's generated out of it, and I do honestly believe that intentions are good. But it's just a, uh, a kind of a conflict in the operating modes of the startup world versus government. And I think, again, I, you know, I was kind of mentioning before, like the velocity and speed of startups is so critical. The idea of like waiting around for, uh, you know, government to uh, provide some stimulation or action towards that. It's just not compatible with uh, the stressors and the uh, priorities of an entrepreneur. Well, I heard you loud and clear. It's a support role there to set the entrepreneurs and those businesses up for success with the right policies that reduce friction, with the right incentives that encourage investment. Otherwise, kind of stay out of the way because because they're two different two different skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, interesting. So. Something I'm always curious about, and because uh, I love banging things together, and like, oh, what if we collided this and brought that together? From your perspective, like you know, obviously Calgary, very known from a resource perspective, uh, we're working on our technology version of ourselves, whatever that is. I guess in your mindset and kind of in your purview, any industries that you would put in the same room and say, you know what, you guys should, you know, maybe ag needs to get in the room with healthcare or maybe fintech needs to get in the room with oil and gas and you guys need to learn from each other to maybe take and build something better out of the sum of the parts any industries you'd love to throw in a room to kind of just to see see what sparks would fly yeah that's an interesting question i think those mashups are really valuable um and i think what happens inside of startup communities is they they're actually emerges like communities within the community. And so I think like uh, you'll start to see this over time in Calgary, if it hasn't happened already, uh, you'll see like ag tech sort of be its own thing, for example. And it's almost its own self-contained startup community. And then you'll have uh, biotechnology uh, be its own and health tech be its own thing. Um, Maybe there's like logistics technology as well. And it can be its own sort of standalone community. And then you kind of have this like, overarching umbrella that is the startup community uh, and, for, yep. and is all of the things that uh, act as uh, feeders uh, that are sort of common to all of those things. So it could be anything from, you know, understanding how to access capital uh, to understanding uh, access to mentors to, yeah, I think it's support structures in terms of like legal setup of these companies. And so I think it's, it's kind of bifurcated in those lines. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily like anything I can point to to say, oh, if you get these industries together, there's going to be this particular kind of magic. But mm-hmm. I do think like bundling up each one of those communities and kind of having a coherent startup community within a startup community is valuable because as right. you want to promote that to the world, I, I think uh, to amplify the voice, it makes a lot of sense to group these guys together and group the companies together into this, this unified force. 
I think it is happening to your to your point, and I've definitely had guests on that are specifically in the ag. Each one is so small right now. I think it's still we're still at the you know the bit of the macro of the startup community as being in its early stages. But there's definitely pockets like each one you mentioned. I immediately thought of like yeah, I know a couple people over there. But it's it just we just we just haven't reached that critical mass that I'm sure you enjoy in the valley where there's there's enough a big enough cohort for each group to fill a room whenever you want to. <laughs> right, and I, and I think that's just a matter of time. And um and yeah, that would kind of like. One message I would sort of pass along to anyone in, in Calgary in that community is just like this stuff I just think takes a lot of time. I mean, if you look at like Silicon Valley and I know everyone always tries to benchmark to it and and I by no means I think like nobody should try to be like Silicon Valley. It's like you've got to do your own thing. Um, but I mean, that, I mean, this is a place that was 70 years in the making. Um, and, you know, startup communities have, have been around a long time and, you know, you're kind of pointing to oil and gas. That certainly didn't happen overnight in Canada, if, in Calgary, if you look at the history there. No, it didn't. So, you know, we shouldn't like stress ourselves about having to, to move and have these like massive, like moment defining events. I mean, this is more of a slow boil and a commitment to, to decades, honestly, to get it to where it needs to be. Um, and I, over time, I, I think the successes need to be celebrated and pushed more, um, you know, whether that's companies that are getting funded or acquisitions or key people entering the ecosystem. Um, I, I would really like to see uh, Calgary celebrate those wins and, uh, yeah, just sort of pump up the in, in entire environment as a whole. I, I think it's easy to kind of look at something and go, oh, we're not where we need to be. We're behind the ball. And yeah. you can throw fire and in, in debris into the dumpster fire, but it's just not a good way to go. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was a good, that was a good visual right at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I think like uh, the positive self-talk has to be preserved and uh, it's, it's really kind of a stay the course kind of uh, event. And I, I mean, honestly, just kind of seeing what's happening up there now uh, versus even five years ago, I think it's on a very positive trajectory. And I'm certainly that's the, you know, I think we, we've got a very real challenge because the, the golden goose that we've relied on for so long has fundamentally changed in the oil and gas sector. So it's a double-edged sword. The, the change that caused us to really start focusing on this more is also the reason that there's such a sense of urgency that, oh, there's, there, there's an economic challenge right now. You know, we're not changing this because everything's going great. We're changing because we have no choice. And I, that is the early stages of a lot of change. Like comfort, comfort zone is something, you know, usually stuff happens when you get kicked in the ass. Let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, I mean, it's human. <laughs> hundred percent. And I mean, this is when, you know, these, these big economic change moments happen is in a downturn, of course. Yeah. And uh, I mean, you add COVID into the challenge and it's, you know, it certainly is a crazy time for many cities, honestly, not just Calgary and, and Calgary is not alone in sort of redefining its economy. Totally. And I, I do yes. really this think is, it, it, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really critical uh, to, to focus on the startup community as well. I think this is the way that, um, economics of cities in the future are going and are going to require uh, an entrepreneurial base in each one of these cities is very clear that that's the direction it's going. Um, and, and that's really kind of having a, a nimble business community that can pivot and change and address challenges. Um, and I think like, like one thing I find really interesting about technology is it's not like so many other industries, and I think it requires a bit of a change of mindset. Like if you think of kind of Wall Street, it's it's very much as like zero sum game, where you know I can only get by taking from somebody else. And I feel 
like there's aspects of that with oil and gas as well because it's very geography based it's like i've got a section of land it's got oil on it i'm gonna yes, buy it from you so now you don't have it and now i have it and it's this sort of exchange of uh this limited set of of resources however with technology it's more of a force multiplier and you can really add it on top of anything and it increases the net effect and everyone benefits uh, and so I think that that's probably like kind of a key mindset change that Alberta needs to go through. And mm-hmm. I mean, if I even want to apply that to oil and gas, if you look at oil and gas technology, um, you know, fracking technology, right? you add that and layer that on top of oil and gas and everyone wins, everyone wins and everyone can extract energy and oil and gas more efficiently. And I, I think that's uh, the lens at which you have to look at the startup community and technology through. Well, because one is a fundamentally a scarcity model and the other one is an abundance model, creation versus extraction. I've heard that, I've heard different guests say that in different ways. Like you captured it well in terms of thinking about this can create more for everyone versus this finite. If I, if I, if I have it now, now you don't have it. That's a, that's a very different shift in terms of how the wealth has been built in this part of the, in this part of the world. Yeah, that's right. It's a, I think Brad Phil puts it really good in his book because he calls it, uh, you need to get away from this mentality of running zero sum games. Um, and, and that's even applicable within a startup community. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, a, a sin of a startup community, if you will, and I'm not saying this is happening, but, you know, it's something to watch out for is that, you know, certain people uh, or groups or organizations sort of eat up all the attention or have undue influence and kind of get away from this uh, networked node model and in effect um, kind of come out of it with this, um, game where, you know, I'm going to take from this because I need this and now you're not going to have it. And that even works in between different cities. So, you know, I, I don't think Calgary would be smart to go out and say, Hey, come here. Our city is better than your city. <laughs> Cause that again, as a sort of applies this zero sum game mentality, it's like, you've got mm-hmm. a developer. I want to get that developer. I'm going to take him from you. Um, and that's, that's not really a good way to go. I think uh, overall, you should be looking at things that will have a multiplier effect on the entirety of the community. And uh, that whole idea of uh, a rising tide floating all the boats uh, is definitely the way to go. That's so interesting because you're right. That does feel like, you know, just to oversimplify an old, the old way of thinking versus a, versus a new way of thinking. And you can see examples of it, but there, there is the scarcity mindset. Like that's really prevalent and it exists everywhere. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, if you kind of look hmm. at even the, and, and there's evidence uh, in startup communities that that's the case as well. Uh, like if you kind of compare contrast uh, uh, the Boston corridor, MIT, like that old tech hub and then Silicon Valley, probably very similar in the 80s. But one defining characteristic of Silicon Valley was this open innovation model. So you could have like Sun Microsystems and HP conferring on products and strategies and cross collaborating. Uh, and that was something that was sort of left out of the model um, in the, in the Boston area. And you can see the difference of how those two ecosystems have emerged. One is like very open, collaborative, and it has this multiplier effect. Um, whereas the other side is more closed. We're you know, going to tell you what we're working on. Everything's top secret. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. kind of <laughs> changing that um, uh, mentality, I think is really important. And, and honestly, that was a one thing that um, I really had my eyes opened with here in, in Silicon Valley was just how everyone kind of worked together. And there was a lot of inclusiveness 
And um, yeah, th this idea that you pay it forward, you make a contribution, you're not necessarily looking for anything in kind. Mm -hmm. uh, and if everyone sort of adopts this mentality of like, yeah, I'm going to be a mentor, I'm going to be useful, I'm going to be helpful. Uh, and everyone does that. Uh, what do you have is just an amazing community. And I couldn't believe like the number of people that would just help us for no particular reason here. Um, and yeah. And at the same time, sort of years later now trying to pay that back and in, in my own actions. Well, it's amazing how, what that, because it's just culture, you know, even moving here from Montreal to Alberta, all of a sudden I moved to Alberta and there was this sense of like, well, you've got something of value. I've got something of value. We can do something together or I can help you or introduce you to somebody. Like I immediately felt that and noticed that in Alberta as a difference then. There was a little bit more scarcity, you know, back east, a little more established, a little more like, well, who do you know? And well, if I give you something, that means I don't have it. And I definitely noticed that in Alberta. And I would say that there there is a level of inclusion here. But mm -hmm. uh, I interest just even East Coast versus West Coast is kind of a cultural nuance in underneath underpinning everything you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an East to West Coast thing. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not to say that there's not uh, great startup communities emerging uh, in those markets as well. And I, I think it is just a mindset shift. Uh, and again, there is the kind of that Canadian aspect. And again, like I'm Canadian, so I identify with, you know, having to kind of do the self uh, introspection on this with myself as well. But just, you know, being open to the idea, being inclusive, including others. I remember like when we first got started, uh, we were in a co-working space and I think it was like 70 different companies in there. And uh, we sort of found uh, a team of companies to commiserate with. And we would yep. have this um, meeting every couple of weeks and uh, we would just get in there and basically bash each other's startups <laughs> and say, come on, what are you doing? Like, wait, you got customers yet? Come on, don't do that. And, and it was very <laughs> just like free and open exchange um, that I thought was incredibly healthy. Leave, leave your ego at the door. <laughs> leave your ego at the door. Absolutely. And it was a really... A uh, healthy dose of uh, intellectual honesty. Um, yeah, and and I think that that's really important. Uh, a little uh, sparring keeps you on your toes, right? <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's great having somebody push you that way and say, uh, "It's like, come on, you're deluding yourself. That's crap. What do you do? <laughs> you know, you got to try this. You got to be getting customers. Yeah, this product isn't good." Or, and just having that uh, radical honesty, <laughs> um, I thought it was really healthy at first, and I, I think. Yeah, at first I could like offend our Canadian sensibilities of politeness. Yep. And you know, your first instinct might even be like, I was a little too honest. <laughs> but I think with um, the speed and velocity that's required with businesses, uh, it, it's the way to go. Um, and you'll see that as, I, I, that's actually one reason I really like accelerators. Um, accelerators tend to do that. You'll, you'll get mentors in there that are experienced. And uh, at least the ones that we went through, there was like people that like, you know, they, they would tell it like it is. They would do speed mentoring and they were just like, okay, how's your numbers? You got customers? How many did you have this month? And it was just very no nonsense. And right. uh, there could be a lot of uh, sort of nonsense in creating these startup companies. And it was really good to have somebody, uh, you know, take us down out of the clouds and bring us down to earth again and, and deal with real slap, problems. Slap, slap, slap you around a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you mentioned accelerators, obviously peer to peer, like any resources you mentioned, mentioned a book. I'm just I'm thinking about startups or some founders that are listening to this podcast, any communities that uh, maybe even outside of Calgary, you'd recommend they reach out or plug into, or is there, is there anything? I know Joanne runs a great, Joanne Fidego runs a great program of connecting Calgary or Alberta based companies into the, into the Valley. And outside of that, anything you would recommend where people could lean in and get themselves exposed to a little more bare, bare knuckle feedback? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I think um, finding mentors is like a, a really good thing, even whether that's like local community or if you had to go international to that, I think there's a lot of value in that. Uh, getting an outside perspective um, and mentor relationships are excellent. I think everyone should have one and the best mentor relationships actually evolve to be two ways in my opinion. So once you kind of get to like help somebody, you, they mirror back a lot to you. Uh, and uh, th- those have been the best mentor relationships that I've had. I think uh, there's some interesting startup communities in the United States. Um, yeah, I really, I, I cite the book by Brad Feld a lot because he talks about Boulder Colorado, okay. which mm-hmm. is a really interesting use case. And and I think it's one that Calgary would be uh, kind of advised to look at. Uh, and he really okay. breaks down his thesis in that book uh, to talk about the important elements of uh, a startup community, uh, this concept of leaders and feeders, you know, what it takes, what you want to avoid. Um, and so I really like the lessons there. Uh, it's also a, a university town, so he talks extensively about the role of uh, universities and academia. Um, I, I'm actually really glad there's some interesting things happening in Calgary around that with the Hunter Hub. Mm-hmm. I'm like, excited mm-hmm. to see what they can do with that. Because um, I know when I was in UFC, um, you know, entrepreneurship, I was in business school, so we kind of had this little, you know, entrepreneur group in there. Uh, but I think where it gets really interesting is where you have this mashup of disciplines, which is more like the real world. And because right. Hunter Hub is sort of removed from these, uh, and I'm kind of digressing here, but um, Hunter Hub is removed from any particular faculty or discipline. And it allows the intersection of, say, people from computer science or uh, engineering, artists. Uh, that's where things get really interesting. Uh, and because well, you're, because you're, you're banging together different perspectives around a similar topic. And that's so, cause yeah. we get so blind to what we, the way we see something. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So those, uh, interdisciplinary, uh, groups are fascinating and then that's where a lot of magic happens. And then I think just having that in university is great. It's going to kind of guarantee this like steady flow of bright, interested, smart, entrepreneurial young minds coming into, um, uh, Calgary and, and why I kind of mentioned that is like, a, that's a big thing in Boulder and, uh, you know, kind of having mm-hmm. like feeder schools, obviously that's huge in um, the Bay area with Stanford. Uh, you're, you're seeing that with Waterloo. Uh, and again, we want to have enough construct in place to keep those people here in, in and when I say here, I mean, Calgary, you know, like you term- said team, 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 and team were your number three things, which is people, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, no people, no startups, no startups, no startup community. So it's, <laughs> it's a pretty simple one, two, three step. It, yeah. Really they're the, the essential mm-hmm. ingredients. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, I mean, I think, um, you know, on a, on a global scale, there's some really, I think Tel Aviv is like really fascinating in Israel. They've like created- come up a couple of times for me in the past couple of weeks. I've heard it's got on my radar specifically in the context that you just said. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, the unified force, like talk about like everyone pulling on a rope in the same direction. And it's amazing. Mm-hmm. You know, they bring a lot of cohorts uh, to Silicon Valley. I've had like random people reach out to me to come view pitch events and just the like cohesion and coordination is quite amazing. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think like Silicon Valley is, it's really useful to see. I'm not saying that necessarily a lot of the things here are applicable to Calgary, but yep. yeah, I mean, it's, it's worth seeing, like definitely try to come down here at some point. Um, you know, even if it's just to hit some events and do some meetups and, you know, obviously when we get through COVID, I think that's the more ideal time. Yes. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Literally there's an asterisk on everything right now. I got yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Big disclaimer. 
<laughs> totally. No, there is an energy, you know, a few years ago, I started going down to some conferences and yeah, I, I just, I just always came back energized with a slightly different shift on things. Like it was, sometimes it was subtle and then I'd catch myself be like, oh, oh, there's a different way to look at it. And no, it's a, again, I'm a big believer in like expose yourself, almost submerge yourself in other environments. And by, by just by, by banging into it through osmosis, sometimes it shifts your beliefs a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and sometimes I mean, it's not fancy. Sometimes it's actually pretty messy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it is, like it's, it's kind of a weird environment down here. It's like very chaotic. So you just sort of can go to event to event to meet up and not necessarily have any particular agenda, but you're getting ex- exposed to a lot of things quickly here. And I think that that's the value of going to these uh, ecosystems that are very concentrated. It's just like mm-hmm. efficient in terms of your uh, time to process new learnings and new opportunities and see different perspectives. And so you get that in kind of a, like a fire hose to the mouth format down here. Uh, <laughs> I heard you said the word velocity. You said the word velocity multiple times, so I appreciate that. Everything yeah. that comes around that, the fire hose to the face. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, Dan, I want to, hey, thanks for taking the time today. I appreciate your perspective and just kind of sharing your journey as as well as your insights. Um, if anyone wants to reach out or gets wants to get on your shopping list for for at Angel or maybe just have a chat, what's the best way for people to get a hold of you? Yeah, you can uh, obviously just uh, look me up on LinkedIn. It's uh, Dan Clay Ellis. Uh, also, um, I have a website, uh, inroad.vc. So you can just fire me an email on there, dan at inroad.vc. And yeah, I'd be happy to hear from people. Nice. Dan, I really appreciate your time. That was, uh, I, I'm so, again, selfishly, I always say I would do this if no one else listens because I get to have these fantastic chats. But luckily, we do have a group of people that love to listen. So thanks for sharing your insights today. I really appreciate it. Yep. Thank you. It was great to be on the pod. Thank you. <laughs>